Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Generations. We are dancing to the intro music. We are going live on the Super, the Ethical Panda Facebook channel. We're hopefully going to be going live on a YouTube channel pretty soon. And we are here to talk about Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 3, Episode 4. It is myself, Matthew Fox, Aaron McGowan, and Alex Corman. Folks, what do we think? I thought it was great. I mean, I, I, what, I what I will say is I really appreciated the fact that there wasn't any like dilly dallying with like getting the band back together. Like yeah. one episode, make it compelling, show like character growth in both Crosshair and Omega, show their mm -hmm. bond getting stronger, get them back to the main Bad Batch and get us going with the story. Like I didn't need four episodes of them like trying to get connected. So like I was very, very pleased with this episode overall. Yeah, I feel like it's the final season. We don't have time for that bullshit right now. Like, we got to yeah. get the gang back together and we got to get going on this hemlock issue. Yo. Um, yeah. But this episode, great. I got some great one-liners and multi-liners I've written down today. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing those. It was a great episode. I love the energy. I, I completely agree that getting the band back together and not having a whole will-they-won't-they they thing going on in terms of, like, when are they going to actually meet up is really good. I don't think we're ready to go after Hemlock. I think we've got an episode of no. let's get the brothers around a table and Omega is like, no, daddy and daddy and daddy and daddy shouldn't be fighting. Um, I guess it's just the three of them right now. But, <laughs> I, you know, like... Daddy, daddy, the strange uncle. Well, that, <laughs> um, But clearly she's going to be the one who sees the good in all of them because... Yep. Oh my God! How can you? How can your heart not like be full for Crosshair now? Like in terms of the ways, in thinking of what they would have to do to redeem him to the rest of us, like I think they'd already come a long way after what he did with Mayday in season two. Mm -hmm. But seeing him like being the grumpy, reluctant guy, but who still like comes around on her this episode, it was just so good. It was so good. It's kind of that yeah. classic trope of like the, the young, innocent, you know, uh, child kind of wearing down the edges on the old grumpy man. Yeah. Um, but I it's appreciated like, it. I oh, saw a are. meme um, earlier today that was like the Spider-Men pointing at each other meme. But it was like um, Hunter pointing at um, Kanan and um, Din Djarin. And then mm -hmm. clutching to their legs was like Ezra Bridger and Grogu and Omega. <laughs> I love it. That's I love actually it. incredible. You know, and Pedro good. Pascal can't actually play all three of them. Sometimes someone else has to be the grumpy dad who is willing to take a magical child across the universe. Exactly. We're going to talk more about the specifics of the episode, but I want to just say a quick word. Uh, on video, you're seeing this for superhero ethics, but it's all this is the same for both of our podcasts. This is obviously an Ethical Panda podcast. If you go to theethicalpanda.com, you'll find all the ways to uh, give us feedback. We love hearing from you. We have some feedback that we're going to read probably during our next episode. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. You can email us directly at either Matthew at theethicalpanda.com or at feedback at theethicalpanda.com. I just created that. We'll be switching over. And of course, everything about this podcast you can find at theethicalpanda.com. There you'll also find how to become a member. For only $5 a month or $55 a year, as a member, you get bonus content, you get ad-free content, and um, you're now getting full episodes that are just for our members. At least once a month, we're doing the book club here on Star Wars. We're going to do something special over on uh, Superhero Ethics as well. 
just for five dollars a month. So if you enjoy this podcast, think about becoming a member. Think about liking or sharing or you know letting other people know, and think about leaving us a review. Now back to our discussion. Back indeed. Yeah, um, I thought it was. Uh, I'll just kick it off by thinking I think it was cool to see both like Crosshair and Omega kind of like leaning into their uh, into their skill set. I also completely mm-hmm. forgot like until it happened that Omega was like just like God at um, at card games. Gambling? Are they playing, playing Sabak? Are they playing? No, that is that is definitely not Sabak. It is a different kind of game. Okay. Um, well, is whatever. Sabak the one with the little goblins? No, that's um, no, that's like their version of battle chess or something. Yeah, like that. it's called okay. something with a D. Um, okay, that's fine. Have, yeah, either one, but uh, whatever, whatever she's playing, <laughs> whatever she's playing, I forgot that she's a hustler. Mm-hmm. And, like she just pulled up and just cleaned out uh, out of that out of that bar. Um, and I, it was like a fun little, you know. I, I think in the past, the bad batch, in my opinion, has suffered a little bit from a lot of like. Not meaningless, but kind of just like kind of silly side episodes where like they've gone on these little side quests, and I've like wanted to kind of get back to the point. And this episode felt like a really good balance of like, yeah, there's a little bit of silly side questing going on, but it really had a purpose. There was character growth, and it got them back uh, to Hunter and Wrecker all in kind of one 25 minute shot, which I thought was really mm. impressive. Yeah, yeah that's I'd very impressive that. to make that all work. <laughs> The Omega in the in the gambling scene, I just loved, especially because I think this was mentioned in a movie, but definitely has been mentioned in a number of the books by now, including ones in the Disney canon, that Force users are very strictly forbidden from gambling because the Force, you know, mm-hmm. and all the kind of mental stuff just gives you a huge, huge advantage. And and so especially like why did <laughs> Omega do this? She doesn't know this by any means. And Technically, if there's any rules whatsoever, it probably says a 12-year-old girl can't gamble, but fair enough. But watching her, probably part of why she's good is the reasons why it should be illegal for her to gamble. But all these people are trying to take her money, so I'm not complaining. I just love it for her. You say cheating. I say competitive advantage. Oh, I call it using your resources. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, this episode was just entertaining top to bottom i watched it twice today um Mm -hmm. the first line that stuck out to me it has been in my head all day i would think about it all day because i think it's so funny is when they go on the planet you know and she's like we have to blend in we are wearing prison uniforms and he's like "Ugh, i don't feel like it but whatever so she goes and steals some clothes and then they get changed and she goes see isn't this better he goes no (laughs) (laughs) isn't this better no. And she went, <laughs> He's just solidly in grumpy dad territory. You know, Hunter Always. was kind of there last, the beginning of season one, but his heart melted. And, and we need that again, you know? And I think because of that, particularly seeing the time when, like, we see that there are two parts of her that I think stand out, and we see him acknowledge both. One is that she's a really good planner. And there are points at which he's basically like, yeah, you came up with a plan. Let's follow that. Because he recognizes that's not what his skill set is. That was Hunter's job, and now it's her job. And the other is her heart and her compassion. And so the scene where she wants to go back for Batcher, and he doesn't want to, and he's almost about to walk away from her. But then again, with the very grumpy dad moment of he literally sighs and and walks back to help her. Mm -hmm. I, I think because on some level he's realizing 
her desire to go back and get Batcher is the same reason why he's going along on this with her, you know, because she went back and got him, even though mm-hmm. he didn't want that. So, yeah, I just I just thought that was such a beautiful way of, again, without taking four episodes to do it, showing him come around to respecting and understanding her. Yeah, definitely. And, like, it just, I feel like, reassures, because he took this leap, and at the end of the day, he doesn't know this girl that well. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're being honest, of course, she's tried to get to know him, and he's like, no, get away from me. Right. And so, yeah, it was nice to have an episode where she can really just, like, affirm her skill set and be like, no, like, I'm going to get shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What the imp- the Imperial captain who we saw, the one who she gambles with, and then only later he figures out who she is and, and tries to pressure her. Did we have we seen him before? Is he a new creation for this? He's new. Okay. I think he's new. I mean, um, it's possible that he was formerly someone and he just kind of like became like a he gained weight and became a glutton in the new empire. Like he could have been a oh. republic um like officer. Leader, officer of some kind. That's mm-hmm. how I interpreted it. Was like it was he was a very in your face symbol of like the gluttony and the corruption within the empire. Um, and like you know, people like that are part of the reason the empire fell. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's something we've seen throughout the Bad Batch is this idea of you know empires invite corruption. Empires invite people who are working to get ahead, not necessarily out of loyalty for the institutions and. Uh, I'm girding myself for the fact that you two children probably don't know this reference, but having him be all like, we're gambling, we're gambling. And then, Oh, I'm shocked, shocked to discover gambling in this institution. A- anyone know what that's from? It sounds familiar. Casablanca greatest movie ever made. Go watch it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, it, 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 it's such a, like, it's a reference to that, but it's also just this wonderfully like beautiful irony, especially because all of his soldiers are like, yeah, this yeah. is what he does. You know, he, he gambles. And if he loses, he's like, Oh, you were gambling. That's illegal. Give it back. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was very empire, very classic. You know, mm-hmm. we see this all the time with them. We see it in rebels. We see it in Andor. Yep. And you're right. And like, you know, like for the empire, it's not the same ring as for the Republic. Like there is no loyalty. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. yeah. It's all, like you said, it's all about money. It's all about like, you know, I don't know. So I think, I think it definitely shows that. Um, and I think that like also just further shows like the difference between like, you know, the empire is so it shows like Hunter, um, not Hunter. I'm sorry. It shows crosshair. Like everyone around them can be bought. You know, it's just mm-hmm. money. It's just a bribe, but like Omega cannot. And Omega is like, I will do whatever it takes like, to take care of you. It's like he's seeing what the Empire really is. And he's seeing what like Omega and, you know, in, you know, by proxy, the Bad Patch really stand for. Um, and I, I'm hoping it like kind of clicks in his brain that like, you know, the regime they thought they were serving is very much not what the Empire is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really true. And I think that you're right. Crosshair is someone who wants an institution to be loyal to. And he was loyal mm-hmm. to the Republic. And then he was like, okay, this has now taken over. And we know there was a chip involved for part of it, but pretty, pretty early on, he had his chip removed and he was just, this is the institution now. And, you know, it's that irony of, you know, uh, the empire burns up people like that because, and people like Crosshair are the people you most need. Um, 
but instead you get people like Krennic, like, like, you know, this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just interesting how everything is so money driven. Like even at the Imperial spaceport, like you can just bribe your way through. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is for the cause until there's a better reason to not be. Right. Cause I was thinking about that. I was, wa- as I was watching it the second time, it's like, yeah, this guy's about to take a bribe. These people could be serial killers. Like, yeah. And he's I mean, just like, give me the money and you're fine. Or there. I don't think we know their gender. But the alert has gone out already about Omega and uh, Crosshair being missing. And mm-hmm. if this, I'm, you know, they send out pictures to all these people. And I'm sure if this guy was really paying attention to his job, he probably would have been like, oh, hey, this seems kind of like that thing I was told to be suspicious about. But it's only mm-hmm. once he finds the shuttle that he starts to put it all together. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I haven't seen you and your dad around these parts. That made me laugh. I was, I was like, haha, dad. <laughs> like, you know, Crosshair oh, is just gritting his teeth in the background. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really true. Really true. Loved all the fun creatures we got to see escape. I love mm-hmm. um, just the Empire being taken down by like a herd of ostriches. That was that pretty was really entertaining. Fun. That was pretty fun. That kind of technical reminded me of whatever that thing was that um, Anakin fought on the Swaving Planet in uh, the Clone Wars. Remember when he fought that big creature in the crate? Um, yes. Yeah. It was like it's, a I, snail. Yeah, it's what I, that's what I pictured when that tentacle went out and grabbed him and pulled him in. <laughs> I can see that. Um, it could be so many different monsters. No, Star Wars loves monsters with tentacles. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, now, like we land on. I don't know what planet they eventually get to. That distant remote moon, it looked like. Um, wow. Uh, is, that's the final planet it's called as well? Oh, sorry. Yeah. My bad. No, that was no, the planet we were on before, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah no, so the planet that they finally meet, Hunter and Wrecker. Mm-hmm. Um, Omega, like, it's a tearful, joyful, you know, reunion. And Wrecker and Hunter both kind of look at Crosshair with distrust, trepidation but i also feel like a, a, a flickering of hope like there's still like some level of like we hope that that guy is still in there but like we will protect omega at all costs mm-hmm. and if you are the enemy like we will not hesitate to like kill you well so let's get to that let's first just start with she lands and then wrecker comes out because i, I think having it be wrecker and then hunter was so brilliant because Wrecker is, I mean, he's probably my favorite. I utterly adore Wrecker, but he's not the intellectual of the group. And in right, some so. ways, I think one of the things they kind of established is that in some ways, he's the closest to Omega, you know, mm-hmm. and like they used to go out for the Mar- Mar- uh, Mantel mix. Mantel mix. Thank you. You know, the popcorn stuff, which apparently still isn't sold at Disneyland Galaxy's Edge, which baffles me. But talk about marketing opportunity lost. But uh, although it's been time, fixed, don't worry. It, it may have been fixed by now. Who knows? But like having him be the first one and this just wonderful, you know, I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking like, it's not cinematography. I don't know if it's, it's art direction or who it is who made the decision to have all this happen on a dark planet where mm-hmm. the two ships are kind of lit up, but they're far enough away and they each have staircases coming down so that we see them coming down the staircases and then running at each other. And it was just this like incredible, like it, I see that I, I'm so used to seeing that in a romance, but it didn't feel like this was wrong at all. It just felt like, no, we're showing that the same emotion can happen when it's like a family reunion. Um, and it just, I mean, it, it brought tears to my eyes and then they never stopped. 
Oh, it was so beautiful. I was just like, run to each other. Yes. And the way he like picked her up and spun her around. Ugh, it was just so sweet. Yeah. I did think of Aaron when Wrecker and, and Omega hugged. I was like, man, Aaron's definitely like tearing up right now. What? Oh. <laughs> Crying on the club. <laughs> For me, um, when Wrecker said, we crossed the galaxy four times to find you. Oh. And then Hunter said five. I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Well, and like I said, that's why I'm glad they did Hunter second. because A, because you get that great intro line. And also, I mean, maybe I'm headcanoning like crazy here. But for Wrecker, I think it was just she's back. This is great. Yeah. For Hunter, as, you know, literally the Hunter, he's the one who is supposed to find her. I, I think he's got this sort of mixed thing about, on the one hand, he is kind of ashamed that he didn't find her, that she had to find him. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think as the person who was helping her learn, you know, tracking and all this kind of stuff, he is so effing proud of her that she not only got out, but she found him. Yeah. And I just mm-hmm. kind of got all of that, you know, that all that complexity was there and that... My, my hope is that there's a little bit of, you know, he's kind of mad at himself, but mostly he's just, he's really proud of her because what she did was pretty incredible. Yeah. Totally. And I, and I do want to see at some point, maybe next episode, like, I want, we didn't get, to, we never really got to see the collective mourning of tech, tech's death. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he dies and Omega's taken like very close together. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm sure, like, you know, they all, they've all grieved on their own, but, like, seeing, like, a moment of reunion, like, you know, maybe Omega sees his goggles that Hunter has or something, and, like, there can be, like, a mm-hmm. moment to, to honor him, and um, maybe that's, like, a moment that, like, they remember the text gone, and maybe that's the moment they, like, look to Crosshair and say, we can't lose another brother. Like, we can't, yeah. we can't let mm-hmm. the, the past prevent us from, like, you know, moving forward together, and well, I don't know, I think that'd be I, a sweet way of doing it. I was trying to remember... Does Omega know that Tech is dead? And does Crosshair know that Cross- Tech is dead? Omega knows. I'm pretty sure she watched it happen. I don't know yes. if Crosshair knows or not. Crosshair knows is unknown either. It hasn't happened on screen. I know that for sure. Right. So either someone in the Empire rubbed it in his face or Omega told him. We don't know. Yeah. But there's no way she didn't tell him. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. in my opinion. Right, like in her little cell talks with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> her little therapy sessions that he couldn't escape. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. I but mean, we do unless, never see screen. I could see that she might have thought that that's something that he needed to know, like he needed to hear from his brothers. Could be. We will definitely find out. Either way, I think, uh, Alex, you're right that I hope it's not quite that easy, but I do think that the kind of shared grief over losing tech will be part of what brings them together. Right. Yeah, I don't need to be a switch, but like that could be like the the catalyst to kind of get it all going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because at this point for them, what is their goal? Because I was just thinking that too. We the audience know about Hemlock and know about like the the crazy stuff that's happening. But are they just going on the run now? It like do they have any particular motive to try and screw with Project Necromancer, or is their just goal to protect her and get them all to a place where they can be safe? Well, Omega has a goal, and she said, "Yeah, it to I was going to say she wants to Omega's free all the prisoners. Goal. Is to right. free all the prisoners. So, like, I think that therefore they know, all have that goal now. 
And, and yeah, because I think that she's gonna like they're gonna be like, no, Meg, we can't go back there. And she's gonna be like, no, we won't be free for real until like we get rid of Hemlock and we save the prisoners. And like she'll guilt trip them all to going back, obviously. But yep. I can girl boss gaslight gatekeep. I I feel like, and this is because I love to just theorize. Well, we know it's another character, you know, that will be showing up soon. And this might be a way to like bring them into the fold. Um, I feel <laughs> like when she says free all the prisoners, that includes the prisoners she might not even know about, which are like the supposed, what we assume to be Jedi trapped in that, you know, little room that the emperor was taken Ooh. back into. Um, and so maybe that's how we, you know, we meet some Jedi from the Clone Wars era or some other folks that like, you know, or maybe just unknown Jedi, but like, you know, people that were trapped there. Um, okay. And- but what are the, what I was going to say, what are the odds? These people are just clones who are being, experimented to become jedi well they they remember he made, he made a reference to like the source material is being kept like in prime condition like he said that in like either the first oh. or the second episode i um, guess maybe that would make sense so like my guess would ha- would be that like it's a jedi or some force sensitive someone that's being uh we, we you know folks we did see an instagram of ahmad best uh have cgi stuff on his face so maybe it's Darth jar jar in there we can't be sure. <laughs> there is not a zero percent chance of that. I mean, the fact that Ahmed Best has literally played an actual Jedi makes me think the yeah. chance that it's Jar Jar again. But also, remember why he, did we? He see- said hashtag Jar Jar. He did. He did he say did. hashtag Jar Jar. He also said hashtag Dark Lord. Look, there are moments. <laughs> there are a. Disney oh. is so strict about remember like Tom Holland getting locked in a box before one of yeah. the most recent movies came yeah. out? Times. Um, I don't think that uh he would actually spoil something like that. <laughs> There's no way. No, 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 no. no. Here, it's a joke, here, but it's a good joke. Well, what I was thinking about though, but actually Ahmed Best character I think prevents this. What if Grogu is the one they have? <gasps> but Ahmed Best well, I mean, Jedi, whose name I forget. Yeah. Um, did rescue Grogu, Keller and Beck. But yeah, right. Yeah. He got no, actually, Grogu yeah. out of the burning temple. We heard all temple. about Grogu's traumatic memories, and it wasn't about being experimented on. So correct. But they, I mean, they did. They did know about, like, I mean, obviously, they probably knew about him, or they wouldn't have sent um, Din Djarin after him in the first episode of The Mandalorian. So, like, it is not completely unbelievable that, mm-hmm. um, and like, we are. Not to get too deep into it, but like I feel like I tend to believe that like the experiments done on Grogu and early Mandalorian were definitely towards Project Necromancer. So like it's not out of their own possibility that they did indeed already have had him in a facility and they were trying to get him back throughout right. the, you know, the coming years because they knew that like he was, you know, a good uh a good subject to use for cloning. Mm-hmm. But if they had him, they wouldn't need Omega, I feel like. I don't know. Yeah, well, but they I think the idea is that they need someone who's a genetic replica who still carries the Metachlorian gene. Right, 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 right. Oh god. I know you hate it. I'm sorry. I'm 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 coming around on I'm not coming around on M count, but I'm just, I'm just being okay. It, it was the phrase Metachlorian gene that just even more oh, so was like That's my bad. No, 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 you're fine. You're I'll fine. keep the I'm, M I mean, word out of it. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, it's it, look. 
again, it's not at all. I, I love out. We talked about this last week, Alex, even though you weren't here. I love that you're so into this. And I'm really glad you have, you get this. And I, I think a lot of our listeners are really into all the midichlorian stuff. I just, and, and I know some genetic link has always been there because, you know, obviously Luke can let, you know, the force runs strong in my family. Yep. It's just the idea of there being a genetic connection to the force. Uh, it just bothers me so much, but you know, fair but enough. I, mean, I, I think that like something to think about Matthew, I don't know if it helps is that like, I think anyone could still be a Jedi. It's just that like it is, it is force sensitivity. It's just also something that can be passed down through mm-hmm. like lineage. Like, I think that like, I don't like, I'm I try to think of it not as like, I can like, I can still be a Jedi, I believe somehow, some way. Um, but like, it also is just like something that's also just passed down. And like, you know, it doesn't mean that like, I mean, like prime example is Luke is the son of like the, one of the you know most powerful Jedi to ever live, but he mm-hmm. wasn't using the force. He had no idea what he was doing. He was just a simple farm boy until Obi-Wan kind of unlocked that part of him. So like you could be like force sensitive and just not really know about it. Kind of like Omega is. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think it's like, okay. Um, yeah. There's some degree of agency still, to be sure. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm just going to groan about it, but mostly, you know, this this is what the show, this is the story the, the show is telling us, so I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. Uh, but let me ask you, Alex, because you didn't get to be on here last time, um, and I wanted to give you more of the microphone on this. Uh, we kind of tried to quote you, but talk <laughs> a little more about why you are excited about Project Necromancer and M-Counts and all that. Yeah, Um so I, you know, I have always been fascinated by like a lot of the mystical lore in Star Wars. Um, and I, um, well, I think being in the minority, I really did enjoy the rise of Skywalker's exploration in like, you know, the secrets of the Sith um, and how it kind of opened the door to like learn more about everything from the Wayfinder to the fact that he was being cloned to the stuff going on in Exegol. And, um, and I think that specifically Project Necromancer fascinates me because as a kid watching um, like Star Wars, my dad always hyped up the Emperor as like this mysterious puppet master, this dark, evil, brooding force in the background. He like, really built it up. Like, he's like, you know, Darth Vader's cool, he's the enforcer, but you're gonna meet the Emperor now. And like he made it very mm-hmm. like eerie. And so throughout all of Star Wars, um, in my in my like journey watching it over the years, I've always seen Palpatine as this like really menacing being in the background that like which is like every other Sith, I mean, hell bent on living as long as possible, but he, I think really went the farthest thing. Like I'm going to find a way to ensure that once this empire is built, that I will rule it forever. Like clones <laughs> of myself that I can put my consciousness in over and over again. So I can be an eternal Sith ruler. I don't know. It feels kind of badass to me. And like, <laughs> just like, ah, uh, it makes me feel like, Oh my God, like he's really been behind. And, and again, we can, debate the merits of Palpatine coming back in episode nine and all that. But in the end of the day, what we were given is that through three generations of films, the same puppet master has been pulling the strings and it's just like a little scary that he's like that smart and powerful. Um, and so project Necromancer is just cool to me because it explains how like he got there and how he was so hell bent on this and the way he actually eventually got himself to a clone that could just keep taking his consciousness and live forever. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's awesome. I, I'm really glad that you're getting that. And I think that that is, it, it's not the story that I care about as much, but I think it's awesome that, that, cause I know you're not alone. I know you always say that you're in the minority. I don't think you're in as much of a minority as you think you are, especially in terms of this stuff. And, you know, I think it's, it's, 
for me, there's enough else that I really love in the story that I don't mind it that much, even if like every now and then a phrase is like, ah, but like, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to hear more of your journey about this. And I, I really hope you will keep talking about it because I think that, and to our listeners as well, if if the M count stuff is really doing it for you, if, if you're really into all of this stuff, like please let us know. Yeah, you know, because I wanna um the podcast is all about learning and different people's and different people's views on it and things like that. So oh yeah, Matthew, the M count does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping you weren't gonna say anything about that. It was pretty awkward. I mean, I'm sorry. They, they, they laid it out. I took the low-hanging fruit. Someone's got to pick it. <laughs> um, if anybody is a mature potential guest and does not have their mind in the gutter the whole time and understands that there was a time when people said, it does it for me, just, you know, without it meaning that meaning, um, please write in. Oh. Anyway, Aaron is definitely not that person because their brain went. The, her brain went the same exact place. Same place, right away. <laughs> I wonder why it is that I keep focusing on those grumpy male types who are guiding children through the universe. I was about to say this podcast is really just Matthew, like just like grandparenting us. Grandparenting? I am not grand. I am not that old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, my hair Uncling is like us. an interesting shade of red. Thank you very much. I'm exactly <laughs> uncle. Yes, you're the funkle. The funkle. Fun uncle. No, I know what you mean. That's what Wrecker is. You're like Wrecker. You're the funkle. He, it, so I wait, you entertain us, but you will protect us. Is Hunter the dad? And I'm then... very tempted to start singing some Parliament now, but I'm gonna pass on that. Um. <laughs> So we have two God. uncles and a dad. Okay. Parliament of Funk. Like, the, okay. Never mind. Never mind. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> no. So, um, so in the, are we talking about the family tree? Cause I'll go into the family tree. Yeah, um, let's talk about the family Wrecker tree. is Please, obviously Aaron. the Funkle. Um, Hunter is dad, father, papa, daddy. Um, as we said, you know, crosshair is the estranged, um, Brother, said, a strange uncle. uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Brother mm-hmm. slash uncle, depending who you are. Um, and then Echo is obviously mom. Mom is out of town mom right away? now. Mom's away. Mom's got things to do, okay? She's mom, a working is mom, woman. Is she cheat is she cheating though with Rex? No. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second here, folks. Is Echo mom or yeah. was Tech mom? I think Tech was mom. No. Tech what was, was not tech, mom. Then? Tech was tech. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know. I've just always seen Echo as mom, but if Tech is mom to you, that's valid too. I don't know. Echo's mom. Echo is mom just because shit. <laughs> like, mom has right. been. So anyway, there they all are, and Crosshair <laughs> just walking down the steps. Oh yeah, I never loved actually... and hated that ending so much because the tension was mm-hmm. so big, and I was like. I mean, and Crosshair knew it. He said early on, like, what is going to happen when they see me? And I was really worried they weren't going to give us that moment. And so they started to give us that moment and then ended. And I was just, I, I literally was like, oh, fuck you to the television. I was so yeah. like, God damn it. Yeah. Ah. I was like, are you kidding me? And of course, it's oh, brilliant TV making because now the yes. only, I can't wait for the next episode. But I was so mad about it. I was like, how dare you? Because what I'm afraid is going to happen is that the next episode isn't going to pick up right for that moment. It's going to pick up like 
a week later and they're off. And I'm going to be so mad. And we're going to be slowly starting to understand the tensions and getting flashbacks and like, I don't know. I feel like they they, they built it up. I feel like they they'll give us something. I feel like it'd be crazy to just jump out of that moment. It's, there's so much emotional weight there, and it's so important to like reform the bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope I they like, jump. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say I think that like it's gonna just it's gonna start with the conversation, but to Matthew's point, it will take some weird harebrained quest mm-hmm. journey for them to actually gain the trust back. A crosser's gonna have to like save them or make a decision um to like, you know. To get their trust back fully. I mean, I do agree with you. I think having them, having the next thing we see is just them working together without knowing how we got to that point. It'd be like just showing Ahsoka and Luke working together without seeing how they like first connected. Oh, wait, we got that though, didn't we? Yeah, we we did. So that's why I'm a little distrustful. I'm a little (laughs) distrustful, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping. But yeah, what was that moment like for you guys? Um... Big and emotional. It was great. Yeah. It was. See, I had a slightly different reading um, of Hunter and Wrecker's reactions. Because hmm. obviously they're like, oh, my God, Omega. And the moment she's like, I had help. Hunter's face was like, no, you fucking didn't. <laughs> like, he looked mad immediately. Um, and then, you know, Crosshair stepped out and they had that, like, moment of looking at each other. And you can see like Hunter's hand like balls into a fist. Mm-hmm. And like to me, it looked like their little animated faces were becoming harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Like the more they thought about it, the more they stared at him. The way I see it, the more they blame him for Tech's death. Because they didn't even, at least Hunter, none of them were super on board with going to get Crosshair after he activated, you know, Plan 88. Crosshair wasn't trying to get a rescue, he was just trying to tell them to run. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Omega really drove that. Mm-hmm. And I think that they see it as we really put our asses on the line for this guy that we didn't even think we should bother for. And because of that, like, Tech, who never did us dirty and was always there by our sides, is dead now. Yeah. And I know it's not a fair, like, conclusion to come to because who's actually at fault? Sagarera for blowing shit up. Like, nice. that's who actually caused it. That's a different well, discussion for a different time. But okay, fair enough. Yeah. I have okay, a I guess that is <laughs> a argument you could have. You could say Crosshair's at fault. You could say Omega's at fault for wanting to get Crosshair. You could say Sagarera's at fault. The Empire's at fault. But I, from that little bit of reaction we got, I a big part of me is wondering if they don't think it's Crosshair's fault. Yeah, because also, if fair. you do draw it back to the start, it is Crosshair's fault. He's the one who was like, I'm going to hunt you guys. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. the Empire wouldn't have cared that much about the Bad Batch if Crosshair wasn't there. Like, I think they, they certainly cared, might not have put it together like, that Omega was with them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it would have gone a little more under the radar. But Crosshair was like, nah, these guys fucked me over. Like, I have power in the new Empire. I'm a commander. Let's get them. And did that for a whole season and a half. To be fair, though, based on that logic, you can go a step farther and say the real person to blame is the emperor. So maybe they they band together against the emperor. Well, we know against it doesn't the work. Emperor, a bunch of clones. <laughs> yeah, if they try that, we know it's uh, not successful. Unfortunately, uh, well, uh, it's going to be a Rogue One situation, and I'm going to be mad. <laughs> also, not to get into details here, but straw poll, which is a thumbs up or down. Saul Guerrero. 
see Clone Wars most other times. <laughs> that was a thumbs up for me on Clone Wars, thumbs down on most other times. Yeah. So I'm going to give a brief, not rant, but a little bit. Of, I'm going to get up on a soapbox here for a second. This is something I mostly Enjoy. talked about over on the star on the. Are you going to rant, rant about Saw? Yeah. Oh, let's go. I'm, I'm here second. for it. One thing I talked about a lot in the Superhero Ethics podcast when we were talking about Avatar is that I feel like, and it's a trend I've been noticing more and more, but with what's happening in the world right now, I'm a lot more aware of it. When you have heroes who are kind of vigilante, going like they're, they're outside of the law because they're fighting against the, what they understand as a corrupt government, a corrupt empire, a corrupt you know nation, whatever it is, a lot of the time they wind up meeting up with another group who shares their same goals, but from our hero's perspective is going too far. They're crossing a line. They're killing innocent civilians. They're, they're taking risks that we're not willing to take. And like, those are legitimate concerns. Don't get me wrong. My problem with shows like that is that too often they wind up saying that characters like Jet from Avatar or Saw Gerrera from Star Wars or so many others, the Phantasm from... Uh, Batman, like whatever it is, there's a clear, bright line between the acceptable ethical ways to fight for justice and freedom and the unacceptable ways. And particularly as I look at what's happening in the world right now, in, in Gaza especially, but like in other places as well, I, I think part of why I loved Andor so much is that Andor was about saying it's not that easy. It's not that simple to just say, here's the good way to fight and here's the bad way to fight. Because, you know, in Andor, our heroes doing things that we know were essential to the rebellion coming about and Luke Skywalker blowing up the Death Star. At one point, they held a gun to the head of a little kid and threatened to kill that kid unless the Imperial captain, who was his father, did what they wanted. And yeah. they... um blew up civilians and and uh lucian i think is presented as kind of the like maybe he's the one going too far but it's not clear because what he's doing i think rightly horrifies us mm -hmm. all this is just to say that then when i see people looking at like you know what happened on october 7th or you know other things like that throughout the world i think it'd be i think it's very easy for people to say oh there's very clear ways that it was okay to fight oppression and other ways that it's not okay to fight oppression and I'm not saying that therefore that everything is okay. I'm not I'm not saying that we're wrong to to place judgment on someone like Saw Guerrera or things happening in our own world or whatever it is. I'm just saying I think those lines are a lot blurrier than we like to think and I think that yeah. Andor really made that clear. And that's why to me I'm I'm a big proponent now of like if you don't like the way someone's fighting against having a boot on their neck, take the damn boot off their neck. And mm -hmm. is Saw Guerrera fighting the empire in the way that I would want them to him to fight them? Probably not, but I, I'm, I'm just a lot, it's a lot harder for me to just to draw a simple line anymore of being like, bad batch, good, so good or bad. I, and, I, and I get where you're coming from. And like, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think that my issue with Saw is not so much how he fights the Empire. Like, I, high key, I'm kind of all for just murder and explosions mm -hmm. when it comes to the Empire. But I, mm -hmm. I think I draw a line when like, personally, I draw a line with like, you know, your actions are directly killing, unnecessarily killing your comrades. Like Tech didn't have to die. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like he had to die for character growth, I guess, of the other Bad Batch. But like, I yeah. just, 
and like Shaw has done this before, and like I understand, and like I think back to Rebels when like he and Mon Mothma had that whole argument about like I need you like where's that fire? Like you're not, you're not willing to go far enough. Like if you're not willing to play on their level. Like you know, mm-hmm. then we're gonna lose. But then there's the other side of the argument of you know always like if we stoop to their level, then mm-hmm. you know we're not as we're just as we're just as bad as them. And that goes even to the that goes to freaking real life with like it's how Republicans and Democrats operate. And I don't want to get into all of that. My point is, I'm just mad that Tech died, and I don't think he needed to die, and so I'm mad at Saw about that. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And I will say, I agree with both of you, as you're saying, like, the thumbs up and thumbs down to Saw is not necessarily for Saw Gerrera. Saw Gerrera as a character, I support. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm usually fully backing the things he's doing. But for me, like, yeah, sure, murder whoever you want in the Empire. I don't it sounds messed up, but sure, you can kill their families too. Like, do what you got to do. You know, play dirty if you need to. Um, but for me, it's when you found another group of people who are fighting for the same common goal, but they don't want to do it exactly how you do it. So I guess you're in the way. I'll just kill you too. Like, that's mm-hmm. what bugs me that we often find Saw doing mm-hmm. is just the lack of willingness to hear others and work with each other. Yeah, yeah, he was he was gonna kill um click clack. That's fair. That's if you watch the Ocean, he was just gonna kill him oh. in the egg. He yeah. kill click clack just and he wasn't willing to listen to Candid Ezra. And finally when he listened, he was like, Oh wait, I can get what I want and not commit murder. Yeah. Well, and one thing I think is so brilliant about the story of Saw Guerrera overall is let me back up a second. We're getting into all the philosophy and, and, and theory here. Um we really are. Um, and we'll get back to this episode, I promise. I thought it was going to be a short episode, but we're just throwing the doors wide open. Part of what I've always loved about the fundamental ethos of Star Wars is the idea of if you hate the people you are fighting, there is always the danger that you will to some extent become them. That like hating your enemies can be a path to the dark side. And I think that I'm a lot less extreme about that than I was as a kid. And I think that, you know, but that sometimes like, yeah, I, I, if people hate me, it's going to be, I'm hard pressed to say, I'm not going to hate them. It's the, like, when you forget about their, their humanity either. And I think Saw Gerrera is the perfect example of that by the time of Rogue One, Saw Gerrera has been so, he's been so focused on fighting what he hates instead of protecting what he loves to quote a different part of Star Wars that he just is that creature of hate and that that is he's not a force user but i think that's a great illustration of how the dark side can work and i so i yeah and again so it's like i think that all these critiques are very very valid and very very needed but i think that just the i I just want to always keep that idea of the complexity and the difficulty there you know because like even now like when aaron was like you know yeah i don't care if you kill their families i was like ah um but I, I also get where that's coming from. And I get that, like, to me, it's the brilliance of Andor, is it's that it mm-hmm. is, I don't like a story where it's presented to us that the hero can do everything we they want without ever having to ethically compromise themselves and that they can always say, like, oh, and that person was wrong and we're right. And I, because in Andor, yeah, I don't, of, like, you know, the three kind of main political positions of Mon Mothma uh, Lucian and Sargerera, I don't think any of them are, are meant to be like, this is the one who's right. I think we're supposed to see that all of them are flawed and they're all doing their best to fight this horrible evil. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know, folks, were you expecting a rant on Saw Guerrero and a quote from uh, Rose from The Last Jedi all in this episode of The Bad Batch? You never know what you're going to get with us, so you got to stay on your toes. You never know. Never Star know. Star Wars Generations bingo. Okay, so let's pull it back to that last scene. Here's the thing I keep thinking about. What's Wrecker going to do? Mm-hmm. Because I could imagine easily that Wrecker, Wrecker, I think, is kind of more... I think he has a very strong intelligence of his own way, but he's not book smart. He's not, and he does, he is not the most nuanced and complicated thinker, I don't think. But I could see him, therefore, coming down. Like, I think Hunter is going to have a very, like, practical, you know what? You are my brother. You're going to help us more than anything. I don't fully trust you yet, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I could see Wrecker, though, being like, he's our brother. We need him. We forgive him. Well, Hunter is the one who is really having trouble with it. Or that Hunter comes around and that Wrecker does like more dig in his heels, you know? And he's like, once you abandon us, you're dead for me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, first, do you think that that's accurate, that Wrecker would probably go to one of those extremes? And if so, which one do you think is more likely? That's a great question. I could see it either way. You know, like the ideal Wrecker who's just like always down for whatever and like pretty happy and especially kind of as we talked earlier just his closeness with omega would make you think that he would come to her side of thinking sooner and hunter i mean definitely tends to be more stubborn and broody Mm -hmm. um but yeah i could see both of them i don't really see a world where hunter gets over it quickly but i could see a world where neither of them do and omega's really like white knuckling like captain america holding on to a helicopter to like keep this band together yeah i can see that for Especially like a couple of episodes i do think record Re- really follows hunter's lead and so i could mm-hmm. see that like once hunter has a change of heart that could bring around record pretty quick yeah i'm wondering if, if rex can serve as a mediator in the whole situation yeah like, and rex, rex and rex echo is, are gonna yeah because i mean rex is just i can see rex I mean, I, I, I'm I'm gonna get so specific here, but like I, in my in my head, canon brain, I can see like Rex sitting sitting them down and like giving the speech of like you know I lost so many brothers during the war, you guys did too. Like think about fives, think about like ninety nine, who you are all named after. Like think of his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like do you really like you know he like you know Crosshair made some bad decisions. We all did, but like are you going to let that make you lose another brother? Like I would love to see rex be like a an intermediary and and almost like a a therapist like rex is is like the dad of all clones in my brain like (laughs) um and so i don't know i think i mean he is a pretty old model according to omega he he's generation one he's generation one generation one armor always holds up um (laughs) so i i don't know i think that like Rex could be like the wise sage here that really kind of like helps guide them through this difficult time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think, think it could be also be Echo. It could. Yeah, I think so. Just Particularly like, with some like, you know, Rex was teaching, Rex was reminding me kind of like he could be like the voice of Rex in that regard. Yeah. Because maybe we don't get Rex right away in this season. If we don't get Rex this season, I will flip a table. I'm going to be very clear on that. Everyone calm down. 
if Echo Echo's gonna have to show up, it's the last season of the Bad Batch, and where Echo is, Rex is. So we're gonna get Rex. Now, what I want to see is Cody. I want to see Cody. That's another conversation, but I want to see Cody. But also, Cody's oh probably gosh. evil, which would be a little sad. Well, did you watch season two? I'm sorry, it's been a long time since I watched season two. Is he good? I can't remember. He, it's, All right, Aaron. Crosshair, no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Him and Crosshair had an episode where they had this moral disagreement, and they had you know taken over. There was these people rebelling against you know the empire's um, occupation, and they subdued all the people. And Cody's like, "Okay, we'll bring her in." And Crosshair's like, "They said to kill her." And Cody's like, well, but she's unarmed and like, we got her. And then Crosshair kills her. And then that night, Cody says something to him about like, yes, weighing the costs of like what's happening or like the fact that you have to live with what you've done. And then the day Mm -hmm. after that, uh, Crosshair is um, informed that Cody has disappeared. Yes, I sorry. Yep. As you explained it, it all we came got back there. to me. I remember now. I remember now. Yeah. Okay. I, I did not have a chance to do a, a rewatch of Bad Batch before season three. I've been so busy, but I do remember. Yeah. Well, because here is uh, after, after this, let's wrap it up because we've gone yeah. a while. I, I want in general these episodes to be about as long as the show is, and we're way over that. Um, it, it's a it's it, it's like in math, like the limit that you approach will never actually get there. But um, I do think that particularly if the show is popular, which it looks like it is, Disney is going to wrap up the Bad Batch, but is going to want to continue to have animated content coming out on the regular. I think some show about, like, the Bad Batch may hang it up or may get Rogue One, Aaron, hold on to your seat, but I think something about Rex or Cody or some other part of the clones moving forward will happen. That would be baller. I'm being quiet because I can't believe you said they'd get Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what, 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 what story could you do? I mean, like, superior, like, some more, just more clone fuckery going on in the in between period in, during mean, the, during the Empire. I think there's so much to be told during this period. Again, the sort of, uh, you know, stuff interlacing with what's happening in Andor and all that, but also just like, I would watch a show that's just Rex, Wolf, and the third one, his name I can't remember. Gregor, Gregor, hanging out and chasing those beasts on that weird planet. Like I'd watch that. Like the Jupa, or what are they called? Jupa, Jupa, Jupers. You know what we need? You know what we need? The clone Golden Girls. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! My mom loved the Golden Girls. That would Girls. be pretty iconic. If Rex threw a party and invited everyone he knew, the biggest gift would be from Wolf. I I believe that. I believe that. All right. We are now officially off the deep end. Aaron, give us a couple of uh, quotes you wrote down, and then we can wrap this up and move into our member section, uh, where we'll be yeah. discussing the next story in Star Wars from a certain point of view. Boop, boop, boop. Um, yeah, so a couple of things I have here. When Omega gets him to agree to go and try to bribe the person at the spaceport rather than just shooting everyone, um, he goes, fine, we'll do this your way, but my skills are being wasted. Mm-hmm. And she hits him with a noted, and that just moves on. It, well, the thing is, if you're going to tell that quote, you have to talk about how it then ends, which and is then when... at the end, she I did have this written down too. Um, she goes, "All right, let's try things your way." He goes, as they start shooting at her, finally, and then just yeah. fuck shit up. 
absolutely yeah. destroys these stormtroopers. Yeah, those are both great. Um, another one I had here that I thought was just like an interesting moment between Omega and Crosshair, and very important for him actually, um, is when she's saying, "I've sent a message. We're going to meet this them at this really remote location," and he said, "Omega." It's been months. You don't know that they're still alive. And of course, she's very determined. She just goes, they'll be there. But if we think about the growth within Crosshair to take a moment to try to prep her or or almost like comfort her or put a single fiber of effort into emotionally being there for somebody else, like that's huge for him. And I think it shows the vulnerability and the connection he still feels with the batch. Because yeah, he doesn't want them to be dead either, but he thinks that might be the reality, so he just has to put it out there. Yeah, I, I think in that moment he's comforting himself as much as her. Mm-hmm. Like he's preparing mm-hmm. himself for it, but I think you're right. But yeah, that's all I got. Other than other, Okay, I also wrote down, so Plan 88 is the seeker plan. That's what Crosshair called, um, and it just means you're being like searched for, hide. Um, and then Plan 99 is... <laughs> A plan where somebody sacrifices themselves so the others can live. And it is, of course, named after 99, who died on Camino, sacrificing himself so that the cadets could live. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both so much. Um, Thank you to our listeners. As always, you can find us in all the places that we talked about. Uh, TikTok, search for TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, search for either The Ethical Panda or Star Wars Generations. We'd love to hear from you. You can also email us. Uh, all the information about that and especially about how to become a member is at www.theethicalpanda.com. So uh, on behalf of myself, Aaron and Alex, thank you so much. Members stick around for everybody else. Yip, yip, motherfucker. Stay classy. Wow. Isn't this better? No. <laughs> Look, I did that much on Avatar. I had to have some fun with it. <laughs>